But to begin this series, I wanted to have a conversation with Chance. If you don't know Chance, Chance, come on up. Chance Young and uh, his, his wife, Molly, uh, moved here in the pandemic from Alaska. And that's a place. How many of you have even been to Alaska? Anybody? We got a few hands. We got a few hands. Did somebody say, I've seen Alaska? I don't know. They, they haven't been? Okay, well, um, I mean, yeah, I mean <laughs> you've heard of Alaska. But um, Chance got to, to live there. How long did you, you came from small town Oklahoma and moved to Alaska? How long were you there in Alaska? Almost three years. Almost three years. And if you know much about Alaska at all, one thing that you might know is that there are periods where um, months at a time it goes dark in certain parts of Alaska and then months at a time there, there's light. So what was that like experiencing that? Um, the summertime was great. I love yeah. the summertime. It yeah. was bright all day, all night long. Yeah. But the wintertime, it was a challenge. You had to prepare for the long, long dark. And you had to stock your kitchen, you had to winterize your car. And well, what, what's to, involved in that? Winterizing the car. Uh, battery. I didn't know that you was a verb. The, you need the right battery. You need the right tires. You, yeah. You, uh, a lot of people put block heaters in their car mm. and plug them in and heat them overnight. Wow. Yeah. And you wanted to make sure that you didn't get cabin fever. Mm-hmm. So. Now, I know what involved is like blackout. Uh, curtains like during the summertime when when it's better but you still you know you can't see any of the light overnight yes everyone had to black out their windows yeah if you didn't you were sleeping with light shining in your face yeah a very very interesting way to live emotionally what was it like to live in a space that you know was it was all light at certain times then all dark at certain times How, how did it affect you personally um, it was a roller coaster. Mm. I wasn't fully prepared, and it's it's something you have to prepare for, mm. definitely. And yeah. if you don't prepare for it, then it could be a big roller coaster emotionally. Yeah, no, I, I and I know that it is for for a lot of different people. So I wanted to have Chance share. So thank you, Chance, for sharing sharing about that because he's. Our, I was like, oh, we, need, we have a resident Alaska expert to come share uh, about that. And you might be wondering, what does that have to do with anything? Good thing that you asked, um, because one, one of my friends who uh, preaches in the Memphis area, uh, he several years ago uh, wrote a book called Reentry. And the reason that he wrote that book is he was doing some research for a sermon. He came across this article that talked about how during in places like Alaska, where, where Chance lived, um, as people experience months of uh, all light or all darkness, what they found that's actually interesting, like I think we would all know that there's things like seasonal depression and the times when the darkness is going to be hard, as Chance talked about, like preparing in lots of different ways. But actually, studies show that there's more like higher rates of, of suicide, depression, and anxiety when the light comes back, which surprises us until you live through a pandemic. And you're in a moment like this, where in, in a very real way, like the light is coming back a little bit. I talked to someone who I haven't seen in uh, several months on her way, and it's her first time here at church, and she said, I feel some anxiety about this. And I think everyone can be just right here and say, yes, like we are experiencing this. You're, you're excited about normalcy. You're excited about like having these opportunities, but it also brings with it some anxiety and, and some stress. 
I am a, a very social person. Uh, if you didn't know that about me, I, I'm an extrovert. When Mandy and I, I got back from our honeymoon, the first five nights, like, we hung out with people, and she's like, oh, time out on that. And she's actually an extroverted person, too, but she's like, this isn't the whole marriage, right? And I said, oh, I guess we have to adjust that uh, a little bit. We have to make a slight adjustment there. And I felt like over the last couple of weeks, the weekends that we have are full. There's just a lot of stuff going on. We're trying to connect with family that we haven't seen in a long time. Uh, there's things that we're, you know, excited about. But as I've prepared emotionally for this, those weekends, even as an extrovert, like I've felt like, okay, can I do this anymore? You know, this is a muscle that I haven't worked out in a long time. So if you are feeling that way, if you're feeling that way about church, um, about life in general, just know that you aren't alone. And in fact, it's hard to walk into the light. And that's normal, and that's okay. And I hope during this series that if you just get one thing from the series, it's just know that it's okay if it's hard to walk back into the light. And that's normal, and everybody is experiencing that together. So take a deep breath, give yourself some grace, and that's normal. But as we understand that concept and just let ourselves have a little bit of grace, I want to think about some things that I think will positively affect us as we walk back into the light. And this morning, I just want to give you this, this simple idea. As, as we walk back into the light, I would invite you to center yourself on Jesus Christ. That as you go back to this time, which is going to feel a little bit normal, though it's not going to be the normal that you had before, maybe for a long time, that you would just allow yourself to be centered on Jesus and who Jesus is. Because Jesus has brought people through plagues and pandemics and wars and crisis. Though we have anxiety, and rightfully so, Jesus is there, I think, to say, cast your anxiety onto me. I'm here for you. I think of the disciples in the boat as they are just so afraid, and it's hilarious because the disciples are fishermen, many of them, and the fishermen go to the carpenter, and they're like, oh, there's this crazy storm happening, and Jesus is sleeping. And for some of us, like, we're feeling that anxiety, and what we need to do is recognize that, yeah, Jesus is like, all right, you know, I, I've been through this kind of thing before. Follow me in this moment. And as I think about the stories of, of Jesus that I want to challenge us with, what is amazing uh, to Jesus as he interacts with people is interesting. It's not obedience. It's not knowledge. What amazes Jesus is faith. When Jesus is looking at people and interacting with people in his ministry, what amazes Jesus is faith. So there's this great story that's an example of this in Matthew chapter 8 and starts in verse 5. When Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him asking for help. Lord, he said, my servant lies at home paralyzed, suffering terribly. Jesus said to him, shall I come and heal him? The centurion replied, Lord, I do not deserve to have you under my roof, but just say the word and my servant will be healed. For I myself am a man under authority with soldiers under me. I'd tell this one, go, and he goes. And I tell that one, come, and he comes. 
When Jesus heard this, he was amazed and said to those following him, Truly I tell you, I've not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. I say to you that many will come from the east and the west and will take their places at the feast of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven, but the subjects of the kingdom will be thrown outside into the darkness where they'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then Jesus said to the centurion, Go, let it be done just as you have believed it would. And his servant was healed at that moment. So this centurion comes, and a centurion um, is, is a Roman officer. Centurion just means he would have been in charge of 100 people. So this is someone of significance uh, who comes to Jesus, and he's an outsider. Jesus is a, a, a Jew, and early on in Jesus, post-Jesus' ministry, the thought was that this was just a, another sect of Judaism because of who he was first interacting and, and affecting. But Jesus is trying to communicate in the Gospels that it is way more than just for this one group of people. And so this outsider comes. And this story like, it would have been very offensive to the Jewish people that would have read it and understood it for the first time. Like, whoa, whoa, outsiders are part of this thing? Like, no way. And then Jesus, I think, just like, rubs a little salt in the wound and says, and just FYI, like this guy, he's going to be in the kingdom of heaven. He's going to be sitting next to Abraham and some of you all won't be there. Some of you who think you're on the inside, like you're not actually going to be there because this is like way bigger than you could even understand. This guy, he, he's part of it. And it says that Jesus is amazed at his faith because he walks up to him and says, like, I understand how great your power is, that my servant is paralyzed and you don't even need to show up about my life and my life is stressful at times as, as yours is like there's things that they're a little bit suspicious of him of faith because the people don't have belief in him like he's not able to do some of the things that he can do in other cities and places jesus is amazed at their lack and in john chapter 14 as jesus has his disciples gathered and i would argue this is like a pep talk he's giving to his team and trying to just say like you don't really even fully understand this but just try to cling to this he says don't let your hearts be troubled you believe in God believe also in me and this is to some disciples who are going to be really confused and, and troubled a disciple who uh, will betray him Judas a disciple who will disown him Peter and there's just going to be a lot that is going to go on for all of these followers of his and he says what you're going to need to do is to cling to me don't let your hearts be troubled and he says this bold statement you believe in God Believe also in me. And what an unbelievable statement. These followers of Jesus, these disciples, they've been hanging out with him, seeing him do ministry for the last three years. And he says to them, like, I'm God. Imagine what that would mean. Imagine if you were hanging out with someone for a few years and they said, I'm God. You'd be like, oh, I don't know about that. You have seen some cool things that you've been doing. And obviously Jesus did some pretty amazing things in his ministry that they, you know, yeah, okay, he's really powerful. But he, he says like, this is, this is a bold statement. This is blasphemy to say, you know, I'm God. The way that you would think about God, I want you to think that about me. What Jesus is saying 
to them. And then I believe what Jesus is saying to us is let me be the object of your faith. The things that you learn from me about God, let that be the thing that you lean on. When your hearts are troubled, because another point in John, he says, in this world you will have trouble. And I wish Jesus sometimes said like, no, it's all just going to be easy for you. That'd be awesome. But Jesus says, in this world you will have trouble. Like, don't be troubled. The the way that you're going to get through those troubles isn't by escaping or pretending that it's not there, but by actually saying, Jesus, you are the object of my faith. So as I think about this problem or this thing that's causing anxiety, or I think about this moment as I'm, you know, walking back into the light, and, you know, you might feel like you're the only one who's struggling with it a a bit, but you aren't. Like, we all are dealing with that in some form or another. As we walk back into the light, I think Jesus would look you and me in the eyes and say, let me be the object of your faith. Look at my life. If you believe In God, believe also in me. Listen to my teachings. See what I've done. This is such a profound but important concept that Jesus is God. And as we think about the love of God, Jesus is showing us this is what God is like with skin on. And all the debates that Jesus has with the religious leaders, the religious leaders come to him and and say basically like, you know, who is it that I need to love? And basically that question is, is there anybody I don't need to love? Like if there's about 20% of the population that you could just cut out, like, you know, this part of the room over here, I don't need to love them, but you know, I'll, I'll, I'll love the rest. Like if you could just make, you know, who is it that I don't need to love? That'd be helpful. So I know like, all right, yeah, I, I need 80% of the world and I don't need to do the rest. And then Jesus tells this story, which just blows everything out of the water. It says the, the way that you love people is by doing things, like actually showing up and making a positive difference. And he tells this story about a good Samaritan, which is hilarious that we call the story that because that would have been an oxymoron in that time because Samaritans were hated by the Jewish people. In our Bibles, it says the good Samaritan, the people, it, was still, it would be so confusing to people in that place. And Jesus says, like, the religious leaders, they walk by on the other side. But this Samaritan, he goes and he loves this person profoundly. So as you were trying to ask this question, is there anybody I don't have to love? Jesus is like, no, 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 like, you can't get off. Like, anyone in the world is your neighbor. Your neighbor is someone who has a need right now. So stop and help, because this is what God is like. Or let me tell you, love your enemies. Be generous and kind to those who persecute you, who hurt you. If somebody slaps you on one cheek, just turn to them the other also and say, thank you, sir, can I have another? And when you have an enemy someone who who just gets you so upset and angry. I'm going to tell you, you need to love your enemies. Be generous and kind and loving because if you're just somebody who just loves your friends, everybody does that. If you just love the people who are like nice to you, that's just what everybody does. I'm challenging you to a higher bar. 
And I know, like, what you try to do, and this is Jesus talking, this isn't me, so I'm with you guys. I, I know what, what you try to do is you try to say, well, at least I haven't done this, or at least I haven't done that. So let's talk about adultery. Like, I know that you would define your life perhaps as, well, at least I haven't, like, crossed that line. But let me tell you, if you have a lustful thought in your heart, you are in danger. Because you can't pretend like those things don't matter. Jesus calls us out of the ways that we sometimes would live selfishly. He, he calls us to live with a different standard. He calls us forward and says, let these teachings, let my ministry, let that be the center of your life and faith. If you believe in God, believe also in me. Learn from my teachings and my life and my ministry. It is a gift that we have all of these stories about God in our Bibles, available to us. And I think we take that for granted. This is one of the only times in human history that you all have had access, and, and me too, that we have access to Scripture. You have it with you, at least the ability to have it with you, literally all the time. You could pull it out at any moment and read it and pray over it. And center yourself on it. It used to be that just the church would have the Bible and tell you, well, the Bible says this somewhere and you just have to believe it. Like, and that sounds really terrifying for me as a minister trying to think, like, I, I'm telling you all how to believe this without any sort of checks and, and balances. But we have this amazing access. It's a wonderful gift that we need to take advantage of. Jesus invites us to learn about him, center our hearts and our lives. I was remembering this story when I was growing up and my brother and I were out in the front yard and a neighbor came over to us and he said, do you guys like the NBA? And we said, yeah, we're, we're, we're fans of the NBA. And he said, well, what's your favorite team? And he had something behind his back. And uh, we said, oh, we're Laker fans, obviously. I mean, L.A., you know, this has been a rough week for me. But uh, we're <laughs> going to be fine. Hopefully everybody get, gets healthy for next year. But this guy says, you know, like, oh, who, who, who's your favorite team? We said, well, the Lakers, obviously. And he's like, well, do you like any other teams? And my brother and I just start naming teams. And we're like, um, I don't know, it was the 90s, so the Bulls. Uh, the Jazz, and he just keeps like holding it. We literally listed like every NBA team that we could think of. And the guy, you could just see his face getting sadder and sadder as he was having this interaction with us. And we literally didn't even think of the team that he had the decal for because it was the Clippers. Like he's, he then like, he, he pulls it out and he's like, well, do you like the Clippers? It was like, this is this, like the saddest moment that I've ever seen. This guy, he was like super excited about this gift. And then he's just like so sad as we continue to guess teams and can't even uh, come up with the Clippers. And I always remember that when I think of like, it's just a weird gift moment. And as, as I think about the, the ministry of Jesus and John tells us that, that God so loves us that we have this gift of Jesus to the world and a good gift deserves a great response. And when we receive a good gift, when we have the blessing of a gift, like it, it requires a response. And Jesus asks you and, and me to put our trust and our hope into God. And what's broken in the Garden of Eden between Adam and Eve and then humanity forever and God is just very simply trust. They have one rule. Don't eat off that tree. 
And the serpent comes and says, did God really tell you to do that? God's holding back on you. All they have to do is trust. Trust that God has your best interests at heart. That God truly like, wants what is best for you. That God's not holding out on you. What was broken in the Garden of Eden is trust. And Jesus, in his life and ministry, tries to show us that I'm worthy of your trust. Let me be the center of your life. I'm worthy of your trust and your hope and your love. And we see as Jesus sees inactive faith and active faith, like this is what amazes him. It's not obedience and it's not knowledge. What amazes him is someone who comes and says, I am so convicted and convinced of your power that you don't even need to come because I trust in who you are. So I hope for all of us, again, and as we recognize the anxiety that we have as we are are walking toward the light, I hope that you give yourself some grace, but I hope that as we begin this, and in this series, I'm going to give you homework every single week, and some of you are out of school, so that's nice. You don't have to uh, have homework normally, but uh, during this time, during this series, I'm going to give you just a piece of homework every week as we begin to, to walk towards normalcy a bit. And for this week, I would just say, reconnect with Christ. And my challenge for you is to read a gospel. Read either Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. It'll take you about 30 minutes. And think of something that Jesus calls you to do as you're coming out of COVID. A specific thing. Maybe it's an apology that you need to make. Maybe it's somebody that you need to forgive. As sadly, we know of people that that were lost due to COVID during this time. Um, And I, I know of people personally. But if you haven't lost someone to COVID, I can almost guarantee you, you lost someone to politics this year. And you have some thinking to do about that relationship. And as you think about what it is that perhaps Jesus would call you to do in that moment, perhaps it's releasing a little bit of your bitterness and your anger. So my challenge for all of us is to read a gospel and just think of a tangible thing that Jesus is calling you and me to do. And what I want you to do when you get that thing is you don't have to tell me what it is because it might be something that's too personal to tell me. But what I'd like you to do is just just email me, brian at glendale.church with a Y. It's, it's not, it's Brian with a Y, just very simply not like the whole thing spelled out, but Brian <laughs> with a Y at glendale.church and just tell me if you want to share what it is that you feel convicted about, then please do. I, I would love that, but you don't have to. Just say, you know, Brian, you know, I've, I've come up with my thing. Because as we walk together into the light, 
It's harder perhaps than we expected, and that's okay. But I hope for all of us that we will walk with Jesus. Because as we do that, I think you will will realize that Jesus encourages you to live a better life now. It isn't just about some future reunion with God. Jesus invites you into a better, more fulfilling life now. And I hope that you get the opportunity to once again to just center your heart and mind on who Jesus is. My brother-in-law works uh, in Switzerland with Pepperdine University, and he gets a chance to interact with sophomores uh, in college. And uh, he said there was this one time that there was a a guy in his program who came to faith while he was over there uh, in Switzerland. And they were having a a devotional time and asking people to share uh, from their group. And this guy who had just come to faith in Jesus, he's just, he's weeping. And he says, guys, I I came across like such a powerful poem can I share it? And he starts to read this poem about how during the hard times of life, there was only one set of footprints. And I know for us, we're like, oh, okay, you know, how, how is that profound? But when you first come to faith, oh, there's a passion and there's a fire and some of that stuff that you've like never even thought about in a long time being something that would move you like that through the eyes of somebody who is first connecting with Jesus. He's just weeping as he thinks about what this means. Whether you've been at this faith thing for a while or you're just beginning, may you recognize how much you need to center yourself on Jesus. Again, this week, I just encourage you to read a gospel and to say, all right, there's something that I need to do. There's a way that I need to respond. And Jesus, I'm going to allow you to lead me because there's somebody who I like less now than I did at the beginning of the pandemic. Or there's some anxiety that I'm feeling because of whatever situation. And Jesus, I'm just going to turn that over to you. And so please just write me this week and just tell me, I've thought of something. You don't have to tell me what it is, but may we, as we walk back into the light, recognize that it's going to be hard, and we need Jesus to lead us toward it. We're going to sing a song now uh, called Jesus at the Center, where we sing repeatedly that Jesus uh, would be the center of our lives, and I hope that this song functions like a prayer for all of us as we close our service this morning. But may we, as we walk toward the light, center ourselves on the life and ministry of Jesus. Let's pray. God, this has been a hard year. And even though we are excited about some of the things that we're going to be able to experience in the next few weeks and months, we also just raise our hand and say, but it's not easy. We feel anxious. We we feel the, the weight of just life. We grieve some loss that we've experienced. But God, may we recognize that you have brought people through plagues and pandemics and wars and crisis. And that while we're all running around filled with some anxiety, you're sleeping in the boat, not because you don't care, but because you're confident. May we go to you. May we center ourselves on you. And may we just tangibly think 
something that you're calling each of us to do. Because you are amazed at great faith. May we strive to have that kind of faith. Your son, Jesus, and I pray. Amen.